0: You're listening to the Real estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts Chris Rooney, broker at Re/max Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the preferred home team at Re/max Advantage Plus
1: and I don't
0: want no one to
1: cry but... Sorry Rockstar.
2: About time we got you, Rockstar. Little, little kid rock. Little kid rock on a Thursday morning. Never heard anyone. Wow. That's yep. good.
0: Yep. I thought I would changed my background a little, Andy.
2: I see that. <laughs> is that where, is that where you wake up, Chris?
0: I cleared out some of the bottles just to make it look so bad.
2: I was going to say, yeah. you wake up in the bar.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's easier to start to the show there.
0: There you go. Well, let's do it then.
1: Where's Nick? Today? Where's who? you
2: hear me. Yeah. Where's Nick? You
1: don't see I him. I finally got back to Bologna. It feels really good to be back in Italy. Just, it's the little things. I was telling Chris that I hung my clothes on the the dryer, you know, outside. I'm gonna walk to the supermarket today, make some pasta. So I'm happy. I'm happy. The little things in life. Yeah. Wow. But Andy, you sent me a lot of emails and I got some stuff we can go over that's kind of happening in the market. Here's the oh, first cool. one.
2: This yeah, is this, interesting. I don't think this is any surprise.
0: But it's actually, it's, it's interesting, Andy, to actually see it on paper, you know, because this is what we've been talking about. I mean, there was a steady decline in 2020 on listings and it was going down. Uh, and then we kind of, we kept the trend up a little and now it's starting to kind of rise up, but it's still under where 2020 was.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So. We're we're climbing. We're getting a little better. I think you're seeing, you know, some of the, uh, some of the reports on, uh, in the media kind of showing that exactly what this chart shows is there's a little more inventory on the way. I think some people have, have come to a comfort level too, with the, um, having, uh, You know, their um, new construction prices have kind of uh, softened a little bit again and kind of come back to normal. I think there's a lot of people thinking, hey, this is our chance to jump on that new stuff. And then uh, which also brings their existing house to the marketplace. But I'll tell you, Chris, I've I've had a couple of them where they're, you know what? Real estate's a great investment right now. We're going to hold on. We're not going to sell our existing house. We're just going to buy the new one and hold that one as a rental. So I've seen that going on, too, quite a bit.
0: Well, and rentals, especially luxury type rentals, are at a very low point. Uh there's just not many of them left. So it's uh it's not a it's not a bad thing in which to do. Yeah. I've got one client that's really looking into purchasing more upper level uh rental type homes. Mm-hmm. I think this one's interesting too. Um, you know, where uh, rates where rates are sitting today and what, what they're projected in 2022. I mean, I know some people have projected them going up, but um I mean in in this scenario, everyone's thinking they're going up.
2: Nick, is there a way to zoom in a little closer on that on those facts so we can um share them with the viewers?
1: <clears throat>
2: no,
0: he, I got
1: it. mine on full screen, Andy. Yeah, if you full screen it, you can see everything. We can maybe read it up, but I can't zoom in
2: on this photo. Okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, what it, what's just showing here is they're anticipating rates. Now, rates are still, you know, for those of you that have been <laughs> hesitating for whatever reason there might be, um, mortgage rates are still fantastic. They're under 3% on a 30-year fixed, way under 3% on a 15, and this is guessing that by you know july so by the time you're taking your summer vacation next year they're guessing rates to be at three to three and a half percent so you know that's that's a pretty significant jump um and then they're they're showing how inventory um over the summer the next one there factor fiction there's no inventory it's showing how houses are coming on the market and it is growing a little inventory um as we go so um th- there's uh then, then the other thing is positioning. So fact or fiction, you know, every home that sells is selling for way more than asking price. And, and the facts are, is that, that home prices are appreciating today, but roughly six in 10 homes sells for over list price. So, you know, it, um, but you know, that's a positioning thing for a lot of us. Um, I, I will intentionally price my houses at, or just a little bit below market to create that extra demand for my sellers. And then, um, you know, they get way over asking price, which skews these numbers. So, you know, I don't know, what, what's your, uh, what do you yeah. think about that, Chris?
0: Well, I think, I, I think people do it all over the place. <laughs> and <clears throat> I think it really matters uh, what segment you're in. And I, I talk about that a lot because segments change, pricing segments change all the time. And all of a sudden there's a run on between five and $600,000 houses. You know, and if you're in one of those segments and there is a run on it, uh, you gotta you gotta be aggressive in that type of thing because people will get excited and then they'll go after it. Now, if you're in a market, let's just say it's seven to 800,000 and there's not a lot of stuff on, you know, you might want to price it kind of accordingly uh, to where the market, you you think the actual market is. And I think what Andy's saying is that you know, if things are selling, uh, if there's a house that's worth four, 410 to 420, he might go at 399, and that 399 might get him 450 instead of putting it at 419. You might get a couple people fighting, but I always say you want these guys to make these guys go crazy. So the little guys under 400 to be able to push these guys to be able to go grab it. Well,
2: so, and, you, and you think about that. So when we start getting those offers that come in over, over the, the list price, and we have a situation where you have to appraise them. So we've been doing these appraisal gap guarantees, asking the buyers that come in to say, hey, if you're 10,000 over our list price, you actually have the opportunity to guarantee us that between appraised price and what we asked for, if you guarantee that, we'll accept your offer. Now, if somebody else comes in that's, you know, little down on whatever little down program you want um, to use. And, and we know that the houses won't appraise and they don't have the money. So what's happening is we're seeing offers with 10% and 20% down are favoring um the offers that are you know um uh, the lower down payment which no shock there right but the other thing that's interesting is that we've had offers that have come in where they're 20% down and then because they want to do the appraisal gap um they go to a 10% down loan and then keep that extra cash on the sideline so if they need it on the appraisal they have it as well so i mean from a from a if your agent is is Putting some um, strategy behind your offers, um, you know, the no inspection or the the taking away all of your buyer contingencies makes that offer really attractive, and and sometimes that's hard to do, but other times it's not, you know. So you really have to take a look at what is, um, you know, what what are your options there?
0: Yeah, and I think it's important to to know what's happening in some of those markets. I mean, we get some people caught in markets that are like they don't really know. I mean, and maybe they just started um, looking and all of a sudden you're you're finding a market that's just getting a little stale. And, And when I say a market, I'm talking like a price point and they don't really know it. And there might be, you know, where we would have thought, you know, two months ago, we would have had 10 offers. We might have just two offers and one person isn't really aware of it. And so they, maybe it's that 399 house, someone goes 395 and the other person goes 445. You know with no appraisal and this and that so understanding what you're dealing with and what market you're in is real important right chris rudy home experts formed in 1990 but has been growing since 1968. when i was just one years old my mother became a licensed agent and one of the few women realtors in the industry soon my father joined her, and our real estate family began. Being brought up in a real estate family, I understood at a young age that we were a very important part in people's lives, and that is something Chris Rooney Home Experts will never take for granted.
1: All right, so we're going to go into your guys' real estate journey, the ups, the downs, the mentors, what you've learned um, on the journey so far.
0: I think it's kind of interesting that Andy and I are.
1: a a lot in
0: the same position in a way and how we got into this business. Both of our parents uh, started in this before we did. So Mm -hmm. I think we've both taken it in a little different directions than what they did. Uh, But I, I mean, I'll start. I, I actually got, uh, I went to real estate class when I was 18 years old, right after high school and Mm -hmm. that summer. I mean, I was thinking, you know what, might as well in college, I'll just sell a few, get maybe, make a hundred grand or so, you know, while I was in college and, uh, and do that. Right. While that little, that partying thing kind of took over. So that delayed my licensing until I was 23 years old. And then that's that's when I ended up getting uh, licensed after, uh, right after college, after my five-year uh, degree, which actually took seven years. I'm just, nobody knows that, but uh, there was one class I missed, but I had to use all of that, but I did graduate and um and then started getting into real estate how about you at the beginning Andy? you were you were doing landscaping right
2: yeah i did uh, landscaping through high school and college and i uh, really enjoyed it and then uh you know as i graduated i was i didn't know where i wanted to go with my marketing um you know degree and i i was working for a landscape lighting company for a while because it was a natural fit and then i got into wholesale lumber um and the whole time all along i was kind of working with my dad um who was supplying cabinets to builders and had a a nice company there a great family-owned business and we we were always it was interesting how we would sit there and as industries change you know just like today there's some industries that are going away as amazon or whatever takes over there was a kind of writing on the wall the way we were positioned in that company where it just got there was a lot of risk and not a lot of reward and so my dad and i were talking one day to a builder and uh I think he convinced us both really to get into the business. So my dad jumped in right away with my mom and and they did really well um, right out of the shoot. And I was kind of watching them, you know, saying, well, hey, I, I was part of that decision, you know, and um, ended up getting in um, a couple of years after they did part time while I still had my full time lumber job. And so I was working weekends and it it was just a natural fit. You know, It, it uh, the the real estate thing doesn't feel like a job to me. Um, it feels like I'm, you know, kind of fighting for my customers to get what they are are rightfully owed. And, and, um, you know, I just, I've always enjoyed kind of that, that, that job and that position and that, um, and then, and then on top of that new construction took off. Um, and new construction is very different than regular real estate in the sense that it's, it almost makes me feel like I'm still in that cabinet lumber, you know, side of the business, even though I'm really not. Um, but I'm still affiliated with taking an idea and turning it into something, and there's that that gratification of, you know, having something completed or, or something that's finished.
0: But um, watch, yeah. watching how you sell that too, you can tell that background is part of it, you know, because you're you're much more knowledgeable than the normal person that's sitting at a model home. Um, you, I mean, like you're talking about the, you actually understand, you know, why prices are going up and what's happening kind of behind the scenes that that that's happening and i think that that's a <clears throat> very important thing and that's how you sell but anyways um <clears throat> did you have success right away yeah see i didn't i think uh, yeah. you know i've been i've been very fortunate i've been uh uh really lucky that i've i've gotten what i've gotten but um i think i always i always make new agents feel really good because uh I started out really bad. I mean, I couldn't sell a house. I'll never forget it. I I first of all, two of my two two like people that were prior to me getting licensed were like, "Hey, I'll buy a house through you." Well, both of them ended up buying houses elsewhere and and not through me. And so, it took actually 6 months for me to get my first sale, 8 months to get paid. And uh at, with, but with that, you know, I mean, I was like I mean, I had my mom and dad in it. I mean, they'd both yep. been in it for, you know, since 1968. So, I mean, they'd been in it over 20 years. I mean, I was a no, absolutely easy this was going to be. You know, I'd just jump in and I would just start selling and I didn't. Uh, but that taught me a lot of things. And rather than crying and, and hiding, I used to go to the, this is way back when, I don't know if you had this, but uh, I went to the, the MLS place or the realtor national or association of realtors. Yeah. And I would go there and I would get tapes and I would play tapes in my car and I'd just drive around because that time we didn't have the internet to look at houses. I'd just drive around. Cause that, yeah. and also at that time, I mean, when you're a 23 year old with acne and trying to go against, you know, 40 year old people that had a ton of experience, people weren't really buying into that and there wasn't internet leads. So you couldn't get that. So I just felt I had to be smarter uh, than everyone. And that's, that's really helped. And I want to know the purchase agreement inside and out. And, uh, and then all of a sudden those next few years, I mean, each year kind of doubled uh, for a while and then uh, kind of on our way. So, but it took a lot well, of, know,
2: different- but Think about what you did there, Chris. It's not a, uh, it doesn't mean that you're not talented, obviously, when you, when you start out in anything and, and try to find your niche, it it's a, um i think when when a lot of real estate agents are starting they don't even know how to start or where to start and we as an industry confuse them and get them going in 50 different directions and and they're trying to be good at everything the jack of all trades a master of none and what ends up happening is after about six months they start getting frustrated and saying hey either i'm going to quit the business or i have to figure out a way to make money and and i always say if you figure out a way to squeeze out you know that commission so that you can keep your business going and you work through that and work it again and again. And I said, don't forget how you made that first commission check. You know, you, you, you wanna embrace that. It might've been helping somebody on a charity thing. It might've been a first time home buyer. It might've been somebody's father, whatever you know, whatever it was. And, and focusing on those people that care about you. And you'll, you'll be surprised that I think Chris, like, like in your situation where when you focus on everything, you, you get a little bit of nothing. When you focus on the people in your sphere that care about you they're the ones that will reward you the first so that's how you can get your start is really is 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 that friends and family network but you can't make any mistakes i mean you have to have partnerships so that's why i think teams are so important when you're new in this business nowadays because let's say you have chris rooney as your team leader and i can go to chris and say Hey, chris how do i do this or how do i do that and then you as a new agent hit it out of the park you know and that's that's one of the things that i think a lot of agents think oh i don't need anybody I'm just going to jump in well every profession from electricians plumbers doctors you name it they all start at a lower ranking and i don't understand why real estate agents don't have this where we have our journeyman, and then you become a master or you become a whatever and our industry has never done that and i think it needs it because you know if you went into a situation where you say listen here's somebody with less experience let's call them a you know a, a real estate beginner whatever you want to call it and they, they will charge you less. They may charge you only 50 bucks an hour on an hourly scale versus the master electricians at 150, you know, or something like that. So you pay for experience and, and maybe your real estate transaction doesn't require, you know, $150 an hour experienced person. Maybe it's just get it done for 50 bucks an hour. And, but anyway, the long story short is, is that our industry is, um, we need people to focus on what they're good at and stay at it. You'll figure it out. Um, and if you can't figure it out, go to somebody that has figured it out and ask them what they did. You know, yeah. I don't.
0: Know. Andy, did you did you stick with real estate the whole time? I mean, so when you started, that you were a salesperson the whole time and focused on selling houses. I know, you know, you've gone to do construction and maybe some bank foreclosures and stuff, but yep. for the most part, you've stayed in the real estate part of it, right?
2: I I haven't. I don't think I've collected a what do they call it a W nine for twenty two <laughs> years. That W, w- two, is w- I don't even remember w-
0: two. isn't that w-, w two? Whatever
2: it is.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um. I've I've been self employed for 22 years. i rely on myself, um, and have for for 22 years. Now I've, I've within my industry, I've I've had the opportunity to jump around a little bit to support myself. You know, like when when we had the when traditional housing really slowed down and we had that gigantic foreclosure crisis happening, um. I focused on that to feed my family. I mean, it was, I didn't want to do it. I, I kind of had to do it. You know, it was one of those, nobody was building new houses and the existing market was okay, but really soft. And the only people that were selling were people that had either passed away or were getting divorced. So that or foreclosure. So it was a, a real dark window in our industry for about five, six years, you know?
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause I've always, I mean, through my real estate journey, you know, I owned a construction company. I I really kind of, I focused on that, did more of the, my theory was I used to sell, you know, eight to 10 a year of new construction homes and the builder would never come back. And it was as a realtor, you know, you get paid and then it's like all these problems afterwards. I'm like, boy, there's got to be a solution. So I started a construction company after five years, ended up selling that, started an investment company uh, where buying properties and and, uh, working with other people and Um, you know, I did the whole, I owned the brokerage. I I did all that and had all agents under me. And it's just funny how it kind of comes back. And now I'm just like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm, I'm concentrating on the real estate thing. I do have other ways I want to try to leverage, um, which I've talked to you about too. leverage kind of some of our experiences Mm -hmm. and how we can maybe help, um, other people, other agents, uh, do this business and kind of get a, fast course on how to get, uh, a lot better and not make all the mistakes that, you know, I did over 30, 31 years now.
2: So. Yeah. It, it'd be nice that, you know, but I think that, you know, sometimes too, Chris, the scars that tell the stories of how we got there and we can remember those scars and it, and, or gray hair, yeah. um, you know, or, or.
0: I started yeah. at 23, by the way, just so you know.
2: Yeah. No, and, and I, and I get it. It just, it's one of those things where, you know, it, it's, um, those I was at the first game there, just so you know. That's what?
0: I was at the first game there with Pete Rose. Oh, yeah. When he was playing, yep, Twins. I was there first. That eight. Was the no, I back He huh? was eighty-three. Yeah.
1: So before my real I was season.
2: Not, I was not there for yeah. those
1: games. <laughs> um, hey, why, why are we showing I mean,
2: the Metrodome?
1: Because I want to let you finish your point, but going off this journey, you guys have seen a lot of changes in the metro area, the Twin Cities. And yeah. I mean, the Metrodome kind of signifies the last 30 years. And I want to know, what do you guys have seen that, that has changed?
2: For, for the record, I've always thought the Metrodome looked like a temporary structure, um, you know, with a with vinyl top. So thank you for building a real stadium. Appreciate it.
0: It does look better now, that's for sure. But the, the landscape around the Twin Cities has really changed more so in the suburbs, really. I mean, uh, where you are, Andy. I mean, I remember when in my early days, I got a a client that wanted to go up there in Brooklyn Park. And then all of a sudden, I had a run on that whole area. I mean, it was just a bunch of farm fields up in that Champlin, Brooklyn Park area. It was a really up and coming fast area. I mean, that thing, I mean, has completely changed. Now you actually have houses that aren't on wheels. That's crazy.
2: Hey, that uh, that's not insulting if it's true. Um, the, uh, the you no, know, we we don't have any trailer parks actually in, in Brooklyn Park. Funny uh, enough, they're all around us though. I mean, Fridley and Coon Rapids, and I mean, you know, it's crazy how many. I I, I heard a uh, somebody told me talking about trailer parks that there was fourteen hundred trailer parks in the state of Minnesota. Hmm. And that it, I didn't know there was that many. That's that's yeah. a significant amount of living in trailer parks. So. We better be careful what we say about that stuff, Chris. And
0: I'll tell you what, that's not really that inexpensive of living either. Not anymore. You know, no, I mean, what you're paying for rent and stuff on top of um, the trailer park, And some of those trailers are pretty darn nice, too. Oh, yeah. Really nice. So it yeah. is, it's just kind of that is that uh, we'll, we'll get off that. But that is, that's one of the things I think in, in Minnesota, I mean, you go down to Arizona and living in a trailer area is like a, wow, that's a great thing. It's really nice. And yeah. here it's just not looked at as that, but uh, it's really not, it's not that bad, but it's not that inexpensive either. True. So, so um, what about
1: I, the industry, the last 30 years, the big changes you've seen in, in the metro area. I mean, I know those big companies are coming in with the the small commissions. I mean, what is all moving around here? Well, I think one of the biggest things, um,
0: you know, is technology. Technology has, has changed a lot of things that, that we're able to do. Um, and, and that leads into some of these companies and what they're able to do. And I think it, it, it ends up in the end, it's all about, you know, what you're going to get for your money. And I think you get exactly what you pay for, uh, when you go that route. And and in some cases, it's not a bad thing, you know, to go a route of, I want this home guaranteed. You know what? I just want, um, who is it? Is it Redfin that'll do it, um, for a lot less they say they use all this technology, you know? whatever, if you, if you want to do it, it's just, I think in the end, um, you still have to negotiate the deal. There's still a lot of things that can happen. There's still real people. There's real people buying, real people selling, and computers can't control all of that. So
2: Well, I, I, firsthand, I experience it every day. I put more money in people's pockets, period. I work harder. I get better offers. I get more money. Um, and that's what people hire us to do. As soon as I can't do that, or I don't need to do that, You'll see Andy Prasky in another industry. I I I won't I won't sit here and just like pray that people hire me for no reason. You know what I mean? It's like right now I see where there's a gigantic difference just between real estate agents, and the problem is is that just like I was saying earlier, our industry doesn't have a ranking system, so everybody thinks everybody's equal. Just like the ad on the commercial. Well, you're gonna save thousands in commissions, yes, but you're in your pocket. What if you're less because you hire some idiot that doesn't know how to price a house and, you know, and they lose your money or in the negotiations, they lay down like, you know, like wet grass because they don't know how to negotiate. Or what about, you know, in a new construction build, knowing what the hell you're doing. So you know what to ask for when you're with a, with a builder or what anticipation of expectations you have. I mean, there's so many reasons why you want to have a consultant and not just somebody grabbing a commission. And I think that, the apps because all the apps and the the technology can do is offer their technology. They don't have good humans behind it because nobody will work for free. I mean, I don't really want a real estate agent working for me. That's making 12 bucks an hour. I just don't, you know, I I want somebody that's a professional Um, just like, you know, you hire a good attorney or you you need the best doctor for the surgery you need or whatever. There's always going to be a need for a good um, consultative, um, you know, guide us through the process. And then don't be afraid to ask your agent to show you how they're making you more money. I do it all the time. I mean, I hear these guys, you know, doing, Oh, we'll do it for a flat fee. It's so misleading because the flat fee doesn't include the other buyer side commission. So all of a sudden your flat fee of 5,000, I basically sit in my office. You fax everything over to me. I order a $300 photo shoot. You pay me five grand. What a ripoff. I mean, Holy crap. What a ripoff. You are getting screwed when you do that program. Because you're getting zero representation. Nobody's walking you through anything. They email you the contracts. You sign all the contracts. And you still have to pay out 2.7 on top of the five grand. You know? Or these guaranteed offers. Yeah, they're guaranteed. They're guaranteed to be low. They're guaranteed to be less than what the market will demand. I mean, nobody's putting a marketing campaign behind you when you go to one of those people and they give you one offer. How do you know that there's somebody else around the corner that will offer you 50 grand more? You'll never know. Unless you hire a real estate professional.
0: Nick, why didn't you do Andy's rant? <laughs> that was
2: my
0: rant. It's over. Yeah. You know, I was going to say another thing. I got condominiums is another big thing. I think lifestyle living uh, is another thing that's changed over the past 30 years. And, um, you know, it, we never had, I mean, you see some of the older condominium buildings. They're all kind of took the place of an apartment. And now with how they've created them, I mean, they really are our homes, uh, you know, for more than one person to be able to hang in. And so I think that's another uh, big thing that has changed. Obviously, townhomes are a thing that, you know, evolved really over the last, I mean, for the main part, over the last 30 years. And I think that has to do with um, cities and the the bigger the population gets, uh, they get more density and builders can put more houses up and make more money if they get uh, more density like a, a condo or a townhouse. So... I think those are with with our twin cities growing the way it is, and the economy has always been pretty darn good. Um, and then as we we kind of move out, the luxury homes uh, have become more and more for sure as well.
2: Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think that there's, you know, you've also had a um, an interesting you know growth pattern over the years where um, I've I've observed this, and I'm sure you have too, Chris. Where all of a sudden you know gas prices go up to four dollars and fifty cents a gallon. And now that house up in Zimmerman or Cambridge isn't as attractive and people want to move back down into Andover, Coon Rapids, Blaine, you know, and, and there's a migration of people moving closer nowadays with the, with some people not even having to commute, um, those areas are becoming hot again. So all of a sudden you've got those outer suburbs, um, you know, where they're acreage and they're beautiful. I mean, last night it was actually up in Zimmerman at a property, a friend of ours, uh, is putting their house on the market. And, um, so we're up there taking a look and you just felt like you're up you're rolling, rolling hills and pine trees and birch trees, and it's gorgeous. And it's it's 15 minutes north of where I you know, 20 minutes north of where I live now. And but it's it's a whole different world. So I've seen that kind of evolution. Um the one thing I'm surprised it didn't really take off was this light rail. Um, you know, when they were doing the North Star corridor and running that line up to Big Lake, and I thought, God, you know, here you could have a, a normal job, you know, jump on the train, not have any transportation costs other than you know six bucks a day for train and you know and you're gonna have people living in big lake and and running all the way downtown and then all of a sudden downtown all of a sudden becomes the area that every mass exodus out of downtown except for a couple of law firms. I mean it's it's really interesting how that over 30 years the cities continually changes and shocks me year to year what happens. And I I think that the big thing you guys is that um you know having good schools has been the one consistent thing I've seen where good school districts that take care of their schools, um, keep in demand, people move there, people with families move there, people with families have money, you know, or they have to make money to survive, and they, you know, buy goods, and they buy clothes, and they, you know, they're good for the economy, so.
0: That's the next thing I think that's going to change, too. I think people are really trying to find different alternatives for school. I mean, it's it's crazy. uh, you know, and and you can't do that. I mean, the state um, gives you so much money per student. And if there's a big exodus out of there, those those schools and the, even the good school districts that are the really good ones plummet. I mean, we saw that in, in Minneapolis. A lot of those schools didn't have the funding, you know, to be able to kind of be aggressive. And then they started saying, hey, you can go transfer to any other school that you want um, out of there. And then and people did it. So I think that's another thing that we're going to find out uh, the whole school. Uh, thing and I think sports when you don't have enough money because a lot of people go to schools um, for that you know the activities and and what what but I think what you're going to find is that club teams are going to get more uh, involved and people are just like forget it I'll just I'll just pay and then my kid can go uh, to this place and we can live wherever we want and do whatever we want so. I think it's going to, I think that's going to be another change that. That's well, for of.
2: God's sakes, you can pick, you can pick the color of the swoosh on your Nike shoes. You should be able to pick where your kids go to school. I mean, it, or or where you play sports. I mean, it, the, the world is ever in demand, right? It, it's changing. And, and where you're all of a sudden everybody's, you know, I want to pick where I go to school and where I play ball and where I go to, you know, that, that's an interesting, real interesting because there's not a lot of organic umness to it anymore. Like the, the kid that just shows up at the ball field and plays ball every day. And then by the time he's a, a junior or a senior, you get the knock on the shoulder saying, Hey, we're from blank, blank university. We'd love to have you come up and try out for our team and maybe offer your scholarship to play for us. And nowadays it's a whole different process. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing in house gyms for these kids so they can practice when they're not practicing. I mean, it, it to me, it blows my mind, but it's. There's reality. schools.
0: There's schools that are about sports. You no know, IMG Academy down in Florida. There's that one in in I don't know where it's in. I think it's on the western suburbs, but it's just a hockey. That's it's a they they base it around hockey, and so they play hockey for the day and then and then study. I mean Shattuck Saint Mary's. I mean yep. it's a huge thing for hockey. So
2: well, and there's even like a charter school in uh, Brooklyn Park called Athlos, um, home of the Spartans. And you go by there, and they're all about athletics, a- athletics and whatever. And I haven't seen them make their wave yet in the sports arena, but That's the same concept as they're trying to be an all athletic, you know.
0: You got it. So that's going to be interesting. Andy's so much better at ranting, I think.
2: I think our whole show's kind of been ranting today.
0: (laughs) I know. Signs of a bad lender. Uh, I think we all run into them. Uh, I think the first sign of a a bad lender for me is that I've never worked with them or their company before. And not that that's, it's just, it's a sign that I want to then check, check on and make sure that they are um, legit and and they know what they're doing. And they've done the the pre-work because there is, I mean, there's companies I haven't heard of and the lenders are absolutely fantastic. But if I haven't uh, dealt with them, because the problem is, is with from an agent standpoint or, let's just say that other agent hasn't worked with them. We're working on one right now that uh, the closing has been delayed now the third time. And it was kind of a different program, but it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's not good. We had another one earlier this year that we don't think the lender even did um, the the back work, uh, even ordered all the stuff until the very end. And it was just like, what, what is going on here? And you, you stay on them but you can't help it if they're lying to you. So there's ways in which to check on lenders as well. Um, They do have their little number on the bottom. So you can actually put that number in uh, at the department of commerce and find out if there's anything that's against them as well. And I think that's uh, uh, an important thing in which to be able to do.
2: Well, it's a, it's interesting to me. Like when I, uh, I'll meet somebody for the first time they're like, Hey, we've got a a lender buddy of ours. He's, you know, and we're approved for 500,000. And and then for me, what, what my customers don't realize I'm doing is I'm, I'm checking the lender by asking, so did they actually get a copy of your tax returns yet? Had, are there any, are they aware of all your house payments and your car payments and your child support or your whatever? Have they, have they asked you those questions? Have they verified your income? Have they called your employer yet? And they're like, well, no, none of that yet. So, so they don't have an approval yet or the letter, yeah. they have a looks good letter. And, and I'll tell you what, a lot of these lenders get people brainwashed or a lot of that what's been driving me crazy is these non-traditional lenders right now where you have families that are islamic and they don't believe in paying interest and they only will pay profit so they're structured basically with hard money lenders and these hard money lenders when you're doing it that way they don't have the same rules of financing that you know i mean these some of these people are paying almost illegal interest rates in in the name of their religion And it drives me crazy that these people are being taken advantage of. I, I sit there every day and I look at some of these files and I go, my, and then those non-traditional lenders don't really care if you like it or not. They're waiting for funding or they're waiting for whatever, or they're ordering appraisals three days before closing. And they don't care because they're not regulated. Regulated is a key thing by, by any, anybody um, per se. And so, you know, the, they're, they're kind of like a credit card company. You know, they just can't do over 28% interest or whatever the. You know, um, and everybody's LLC. So then when they're an LLC, um, they don't have personal lending. Anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent there. That That's something that as a buyer, I really want you to take a look at um, all of your options that are out there. Make sure that your lender is running you through the hoops on the front end. If they're not, if they're not stressing you out, asking you for stuff, then you're not ready to buy. So, you know, get all that stuff done up front. And then um, if that's all done and then they say, here's the rules and the terms. Uh, and and, and um, they, this is your rant, but I'll tell you what. The other thing, approval letters, when these approval letters come out and they don't actually have the dollar amount or they don't have the address, go back to school and find, you know, somebody else to do your job because I'll be honest with you, these lenders that are so lazy and they're so fat and full of money right now because everybody's refinancing and Chris, mark my words on this. When's the last time a lender even called on you as a real estate agent? Has it been two years? Weird. Everybody's refinancing. They sit in their offices eating their cheeseburgers going, yeah, let's refire you. Yeah. You know, all these lenders, I'm making fun of them, but I'll tell you what, they're fat and sassy. They don't work hard right now. Not all, but most. And and I'll tell you what, when the market changes and rates go up and people have to fight again, I can't wait. Because I hope half of them disappear.
0: <laughs> well, it usually I usually have And same with realtors, they do. And it, Rudy's right. Ranch, is, it's just the name of the segment. You can rant because you're very good at it. But I was going to also say something that I think um, we we run into a lot in where we don't get that perfect pre-qualification letter. And the reason is, is because sometimes buyers are saying, you know, I just want to see it. I don't know if I'm going to get excited about it or not. And then all of a sudden they do. And then at that point, you're kind of, kind of behind the eight ball and you got to get a lender to kind of look at it really fast. That doesn't mean they're not a good buyer or that they have a bad lender either. Uh, but it just kind of depends on the case. And I, I've shown many, many homes with people that we don't have pre-qualified per se. Now we know pretty much that they're going to be able to make it, and I've I've never really showed people houses that they can't afford because I think in the end everyone kind of knows. It's just like when we go to their house and list it for sale; yeah. they, they all kind of know how much it's worth because we have so, so many tools out there.
2: You're right, and I and I I, I don't uh, mean to, and and not every time is the lender's bad, but. I'll tell you what, I think in this refi market, they, a lot, there are a lot of what they call you know loan officers that can literally sit in their office, the phone rings, people want to refi, they make money and the business is coming to them. When you have to start being proactive and professional and going out and getting the business, like when you're working with real estate agents and saying, hey, whenever you have a customer, I'd like you to refer them to me. This is what I do to earn your business. I'll get you pre-qualification letters that make sense. I'll make sure that by the time you take your clients out they're actually gonna be pre-qualified. That's why agents will refer some lenders. There's no financial kickback there, it's illegal. What they're doing is they're making the the real estate agent's job easier by making sure that buyer is completely qualified and ready to roll um, and and take advantage of those deals. But Chris, I wanted to bring this up. So let's pick on real estate agents uh, on this rant as well. So two weeks ago, I had a listing of mine that sold. We had 90 showings in two days. We had 20 offers that came in on this property. Out of 20 offers, and I'm not joking with you, how many of them do you think did not have the purchase the purchase price filled in on their offers? What? I want an answer, Chris. I want an, I want. A, I want you to tell me how smart your industry is.
0: Zero. Uh, zero. Better. They better uh, No, all Chris. It was price.
2: four. Four. <laughs> and when I'd call these agents just out of sheer human curiosity, I'm like, why the hell did you not fill out your purchase agreement? And they go, well, we said that we would go $2,000 over the highest and the best, and, and we just want you to fill it in and be comfortable. And I said, so when I say highest and your best, I want something in writing from you that my client can sign and seal the deal. I don't want to counter you because now I'm countering you in multiple offers and I'm not going to do it. Right. So, from a sheer protect my client perspective, I want to send you a signed agreement back. and congratulations. You guys won highest and best and we're off to the races. We took an offer that was probably $10,000 less, had more money down, no inspection, all the, the T's were crossed, the I's were dotted and that agent someday um, I will bring them on the show. Cause I thought they did a fantastic job of representing their buyer and, and getting the offer in on time and having everything done properly that made that offer look great.
0: Well, Andy, you hit on something really good here that it's not always about how much uh, how much over someone's willing to pay you. It's how much you actually get at closing. And sometimes you don't get that highest offer and it falls through and you kind of kind of put it back into play again. And that's a huge thing when you get into multiple offers and have 90 showings and 20, 20 offers. There's a thing called buyer's remorse. And the more contingencies you give that buyer to be able to get out of it or... You know they're they're trying the whole you know hey I'll give you ten thousand more than whatever each offer and all that kind of stuff. All of a sudden they find out really what that number is and it's like whoa okay yeah we'll take it we're super happy we got it but then later on it's like hold on a minute. And I'll tell you what our contracts nowadays are not that hard in which to be able to get out of. There's ways in which to be able to uh, go against people. Now if someone fights you you're get it's going to cost you. But a lot of people won't fight it, you know, and that's how that's how back to that bad lender thing. That's how we don't find out about lenders either. People are so relieved that it just closed and it's done and that they don't even want to remember that headache, they don't go after that lender either. And so then people start dealing with it. The same thing with realtors. I mean, same thing with everything. So
1: unless people right. go after. Them, so okay, this next segment, we're gonna go fix a canceled listing. I got a shared
0: listening agent. Yeah. Yeah. It's it was this was canceled, and we have to figure out why the heck it was and what do we have to do to get it back on the market here. Okay. Chan Hassan.
2: Ooh, that's a nice house. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Six bedroom, five bath, three car garage for six fifty. That sounds pretty darn good. Yeah, no kidding. You think that looks like stucco, Andy? Yep. Yeah, let's sure make, those, make those pictures bigger, Nick, and um, start whipping through them and we'll figure this out. Nope, oh, it's done.
2: Like,
0: oh, okay. okay. But it looks like it's uh. So 650 for around.
2: over 5,000 finished square feet, looks like a yeah. gigantic yard.
0: Finished over the garage, yep.
2: Okay.
0: Fall time, I mean, when the pictures were taken, that's probably not the ultimate time. This is why we talk about getting yeah. photos. If you're thinking about selling at any time, get photos so it looks green. Okay. Okay, keep going. So Does that feel busy to you, Andy? If it feels yeah, so there's, busy?
2: Well, there's, there's, I think I counted six pillars on the front of the house or eight pillars. And well, the other lots thing of is, stone and lots of everything.
0: Lock boxes and lock boxes and little bottles sticking in the water to me are, are just, it just changes things. You, it needs to look bigger. I mean, those flower pots are fantastic uh, when it comes to a showing, but I think on this picture, I would have it out of there along with that lockbox. Yeah. I think I think uh, twilights in winter and fall are always good things. It, it usually puts the focus on the house rather than the 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 trees that are bare right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, do you, do you at all feel confused, Andy, when this was listed? We saw...
2: Yeah, with the seasonal pictures.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like it kind of got flipped. And so maybe they did photos after uh, the fact. Yep. You know, like some, something was wrong in the meantime. I think this one, if I remember correctly, started at 689 9 And I think it canceled at $654.9. Seems like a lot of house for 650 yeah, I mean that's a good look at inside. I mean, that's updated railing uh for, for the most part. There's yeah. iron with the wood. I mean, cool windows. I mean, it looks like fenced in backyard. You can see it back yeah. there. Yeah. Decent kitchen, big great room, two-story great room. Keep going. I mean, well, again, man. that's good job on there. Yeah, it looks big and open.
2: Mm-hmm. Nice big base trim.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a that's a really good staged room right there.
2: Yep. And sometimes that cherry can be a little much for people. I've, I've just like oak. We've had people painting cherry now too. I know yeah. it sounds crazy, and and the cabinet guys are you know throwing stuff at the screen, but it it um, sometimes that red is is a hard color to sell right now.
0: Yeah, I think when you you have like all the windows are and the trim are enameled. So it adds in a little. So if that was all, we have neighborhoods like that that were all cherry, very expensive in which to do, but it just makes it so dark. This kind of, that lightens it up a little. Right. Okay. I mean, that's the room nobody does anything in, so that's fine. Mm -hmm. Kitchen small. That might be uh, one of the things. So how to capture this kitchen might be an... Interesting thing. What do you got? Uh,
2: well, there's the cabinets, too, if you there. look at the island, there's no end panels on the island, and there's a fake little overhang there. I think I would do something with that island for sure. How about, um, how about
0: the multiple rugs in the back hallway, too?
2: Yeah. Throw the, the tile, get away. rid of your rugs. Who cares yeah. about the rugs? Get
1: what about the, the knife? The knife, The Yeah, the coffee machine, the towels. Don't you say you want to get rid of everything to make it as big as the towel
2: hanging on the, the thing? Yeah, I would have never taken that photo like that.
0: Yeah, the towels don't go in there, but I think sometimes on the counters, if you if you completely strip it, you know, it's kind of like you're trying to fake them. If you had something, maybe just that far little corner thing, yeah. but first thing yep. you see is the coffee machine.
2: So, just kind of staging there, yeah,
0: yeah. I just don't like the angle of that photo. See that photos be- that photos angles better because it makes it yes. look staging to me.
2: Correct. I agree with you.
0: Thank you, Andy. <laughs> I mean, this is not a bad place
2: no, at all. I'm shocked they didn't sell, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah. Again, when you're taking pictures, if you look at those blankets under that little that little niche there, yeah, on the bottom, you know, all of that kind of stuff. You just don't – you don't even want me thinking about it. It's the same thing with those plants on each side of the TV. You know, if you get those out of there, you're, you're going to concentrate more on that railing and the big two-story area instead. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at that. I mean, that's beautiful. I mean, this, might, this had to run into kind of a, a pricing thing. So that makes the kitchen look small again to me. I think it looks oh, really
2: yeah. yeah. good.
0: That looks way better. That looks bigger. I mean, yep. look at the difference between that last picture and this picture, what the kitchen yeah. looks like. I mean, that one looks tight, and then you open it up the next one. It looks just much bigger. I mean, you're, you're missing some of the cabinets, but just that angle. Well,
2: like i tell my group too all the time you know just because there's 50 pictures of the kitchen doesn't mean you need you need need to use all of them take the best three and get rid of the other ones and throw them away and take the complimentary best three that kitchen though i'm shocked they didn't do end panels um on anything there they didn't do any you know on the island or on the ends of the cabinets and then this this looks like the quality level that they were taking this house to it just seems like they shorted themselves a little bit but
0: Yeah, and then sometimes you find that out on the cabinets when you open them up, and they're almost like, uh, like just a little piece of wood or a hollow piece of wood.
2: Right. Okay. Ooh. Decent. Romantic tray lighting.
0: Always kiss me goodnight. Of course, yes. Look at the look at the um. there's there's, There's cords right there. There's cords under that bed. You know, those are simple things. I mean, the yeah, TV the is better. I mean, when you, when you show it, that's fine. But it might be just crank that thing out of there just so yeah. you just don't see it.
2: Well, what was it, a contest to see how much furniture you could fit in the room? You look at all the big armoires, and, I mean, obviously they won. Um, no offense.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's – we're not
2: – And then you can see the carpet back there, too. It shows the carpet has a wear pattern of dirt on it, too. I don't know if you saw that. You go back one right there. See the floor? Right yeah. You can see where it's worn out.
0: Yeah, right in the middle there. Right where they're opening that that uh, armoire that you talked about so fondly.
2: I would guess that this photo, these photos were done by the agent, but I don't know that for fact.
0: I don't think so. I think I mean I think these are professional, but I just think that they're just a little I think they're just a little off. Just so a what little. do you
2: think of so like when they show bedrooms, and I know I fight with my photo guys all the time. When they show a picture of a bedroom and it just shows a picture of the bed, who gives a crap about a bed? I'm like, go to the other corner of the room, shoot it backwards so you can still see the bed in the room so that you can see where the closet is and where the door is. I just I've always fought that with my photographers. Yeah.
0: This is a confusing picture because I have no idea what it is. It must be it's a
2: garage, I'm guessing, with the angled roof.,
0: yeah, let's see the next one, see if it gives us the other side. See so I don't know what that room was. So that would throw throw me off. Um, again, lots of furniture here. You don't have to have that chair in there. People aren't expecting that in a bedroom. But this is nice ceiling. It's kind of vaulted. So and now we at, must look at the
2: color it. difference there, too, you guys. Like how now down in the basement we're painted gray versus that last picture. It's painted like cream, um, or, or you know, and it's it's warmer. But it it is a like nowadays again. The, the light grays are by far the more predominant. Um, Color patterns and color that that are being used.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so now we, we went to the basement. Now we went back up to the upstairs. So and that's they confusing. The drape shut. Yeah, the drape. Yeah.
2: There's no way to are professional.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. Back we're, in
2: the basement. Bar? Yeah,
0: we're back to the bar.
2: I, that's a nice little well it's a full kitchen really
0: i think this one ended up just being priced too high at the beginning and then people start questioning it like we're doing i mean for the most part this is a it's a very nice house
2: yeah you know and that, that
0: should sell all day well, long. well we're
2: just picking on it because we're looking for something to talk about here but i mean it's exactly. a very nice house
0: yeah the
2: yeah. pig bird
0: but again a lot of extra chairs in this house that you probably don't need i mean that's nice I don't know if that's the lower bath, if it is or not, because things have been going from upstairs to downstairs, and I don't know. So it's it's just hard. It gets confusing. And when people get confused online, they just usually kind of say, No, forget it. We won't do it.
2: I'm gonna guess this is a downstairs bathroom because it doesn't have a window, but
0: downstairs again. Okay.
2: Puzzle people, huh? Yeah. Hey, we've already seen this photo, but it's in the same rotation. This happens sometimes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that.
2: Yeah, that'd be the that, one I'd skip.
0: Yeah, the guy, you probably don't want to have that in there. Right. There's another another picture I wouldn't have had. I mean, that picture I would have had. This one I wouldn't have done. There's no There's no advantage to it. You know, it In might be a room. surprise when you get there. Mm-hmm. That's that's a beautiful picture.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That might be their best picture right there. I mean yep. that shows look at that that whole bank of windows with that railing and double doors must be leading into the master bedroom.
2: Yep. Deck with glass panel, yeah. yeah
0: just an unfortunate time to list it. Uh, because of all the grass kill and stuff, but I think they just was just some of the pictures and the timing and the price on this one.
2: You know, some people will fight you too on a on a full basement lot like that, where there's no lookout. It's all egress windows in the basement.
0: But I think they kind of made it like a kid hang out. You mm-hmm. know, it's kind of quiet, throw them down there.
2: Yep, it's Agreed.
0: a private yard. I mean, that for six fifty. Chan asked this what school district it was either but um it's uh
2: yeah fifty six hundred finished square feet man that seems like a heck of a value
0: yeah that's yeah, in a good area I mean
2: well I, I'd redo all my photos that's where I would start um I'd yeah. take a, a real hard look at like the the way those photos looked and the way we kind of critiqued our way through them mm-hmm. um there there could have been some more TLC by the seller Um, getting ready for the photos, Um, you know, carpets look a little worn, but see, I don't think that'll stop somebody from showing a house. You know, I wouldn't think.
0: So important to do the photos and prepping your house. So,
1: all right. Awesome. Beautiful. I love that segment. It's very informative. Let's go to our last thing, the term of the day, an option. Bologna
0: bologna Bologna, or or option agreement oh okay did you not hear me yeah we did andy's i think making fun of you for something i don't know what
2: i don't think i'd ever make fun of nick nick lives a pretty cool lifestyle
0: (laughs) he does he does
2: (laughs) he he He, can make fun of us but we can't make fun of him
0: and he rubs it into his father all the time so by just telling me what he did that day but i don't
2: know At his age, he's living a great life. If you and I were wandering around Europe, living in hostels, we'd be creeps. <laughs>
1: totally. No, I've met, I've met a lot of people your guys' ages that travel too. They just live in little hostels? What's their, what's their situation, Nick? Either divorced or just, I mean, I met people with families. A lot of Europeans, they, they travel till they're old. They travel throughout their life. Huh.
0: Well, me and Andy are going to go on the road. Let's do it, Andy.
2: Oh my god! Uh, an absolute I, I
0: know
2: we well, you and I you and I'd be staying at the Ritz and at the uh, Four Seasons, and we want our own private luxury train coach. We uh, we're not uh, we're not bus people. I don't. Know. Uh, when I was in
0: Europe, the one thing I just asked for, the one thing I wanted, was a a room that actually had a toilet, a sink, and a shower in the same room. That's all I wanted. It cost me a lot of money to find that. I'll tell you that.
2: Yeah, you, you and I are American snobs.
0: Yeah, exactly. And try fitting in those showers. That's not an easy feat. But anyways. Um, they there are
2: littler people over there.
0: Yeah, exactly. They're in a little better shape. But anyways, term of the day, option agreement. What an option agreement is, it's, uh, it's an amount of money that uh, a buyer puts down to be able to have the option later on at a predetermined price or how we're going to get to that predetermined price to fulfill it. I think the interesting thing about an option agreement is, is that the seller gets that money, they keep it, but they don't get taxed on it until that that option's exercised or canceled. Then it becomes income. So you'll find this sometimes on land deals where a developer will come in and say, you know what, I'll pay you $3 million. I want an option, $3 million, but I'll give you $400,000 upfront to have the option to purchase that within four years okay and the person will say okay so it's, and then you you typically have the price but that person can then deposit that four hundred thousand dollars in their account do anything they want with it and not be taxed on it until it actually sells and i think that's a an interesting thing for some people um with uh, tax maybe tax issues as well and they're trying to kind of work around you know, taxable income, you can do it with an option agreement. Now, is it's advantage to the buyer as well, sure, they have to pay that money up front, but that land is still that person's, so there's no real cost on it. And then you can exercise that option when you're ready
2: to you do you're it. You're basically getting a very expensive speculation option. The, the, I've seen it where uh, I had a farmer that was up in Otsego, sold his land to Target, made millions, and then the other half of his property, which was down the road a little bit, He had a local developer come in and give him a million dollars and say that he was going to buy his farmstead um, within the next five years to do this huge equestrian based community where everybody would have their own horse barns. They would ride down the trails. There was this common center in the middle where there was an arena and all these cool, you know, really cool features. And so this farmer just made out like a bandit. I mean, literally after making all his money off the target deal and then uh, came back and and the developer walked on his option, left him with a million bucks in the bank. Um, It's Option contracts can be a fantastic deal. Now where people feel they're leaving money on the table is when you do an option contract on a piece of land for let's say $5 million. And then over the next five years, while that option is sitting there, the land goes up to 15 million. That's, That's where people feel like, oh, I left money on the table. And, but that's why also the person Giving you all that money is doing it is to have that option to have that appreciation,
0: yeah. and a lot of developers too. Uh, the thing that kills them it's not necessarily that money up front; it's the interest on that land. And yeah. so, if they can kind of eliminate that, and they lose, I mean, we did an option uh, kind of in that whole two thousand eight area, you know, where we put it on in two thousand six, and and the it, the value went down to half. And uh, left four million dollars option money. Those people got four million dollars and kept their land, Jeez. but they would have—they probably would have lost twenty million if they would have gone through with it. So,
2: Those are big numbers, Chris.
0: I know it was crazy. My
2: calculator doesn't even go that high.
0: <laughs> Your you brain does you guys, though.
2: You
1: guys oh, yeah. still having fun with the the parade of homes? How's that going? Yes, busy.
0: Yeah, it's been good. It's 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 been really good. So. I've been it writing a lot in like, the
2: five hundreds and six hundreds. That's kind of our sweet spot right now. Not much bigger, not much smaller. Uh, two more
0: weekends. So tonight, uh, Thursday and Friday from twelve to six, and then same thing on Saturday and Sunday. So two more weeks of uh, lots of sitting.
1: So don't forget, we stream on Spotify, iTunes, basically every platform Anchor pushes it out to. But make sure to watch it on Facebook, so you can see our faces. You can see uh, the clips we share. We post three clips a week on Facebook—short, digestible clips. We'd appreciate if you can leave a review, give us some likes on the on the Facebook, and have a wonderful day. Ciao.